All right, today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, praise the Lord. Now, we'll say, you know, Sister Lori did tell Sister Kaylin, don't give them that intercession snack. Because, you know, they get snacks at the beginning and snacks at the end. So we don't want them, you know, bouncing all off every wall at your house when they go home. So, so they, they, they won't get one going out of there. They'll just be able to come get this right here. So praise the Lord. All right, so today I want to go to the book of John. And we're going to look at John chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 1 through 14 there. We're going to go to John chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 1 through 14. I'm glad to see you all this morning. It's good to be in the house of God with you all. It really is. Always a pleasure to be able to get out and to walk and talk and see and all of that, you know, and, and understand God's grace in allowing us to do so. John chapter 15, we'll begin at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bring forth much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life, uh, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just thank you once again for the opportunity to come into your house, to fellowship as believers to be in the unity of the Spirit together. We thank you for the grace that you have extended to us, and we thank you for everlasting life that you had granted to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Now, last week we did a message called The Secret Place, and we looked at um, Psalm 91, and we talked a lot about um, abiding in the secret place, and where the Bible says, he that... Uh, dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it went on to talk about all of the benefits, and I told you these outrageous claims that God was making um, about his people. And we came to the conclusion that God is not someone who just um, is bellicose. God doesn't just throw out stuff to try and bring us in and attract us, even though he's not capable of doing these things. But the claims, we said, were really outrageous, if you think about them, in today's society that we live in, in the way most people tend to think of how you deal with God. 
Today, um, Jesus is just as outrageous. My thesis is that Jesus tells us how to ask and receive what we will. Basically, Jesus tells us how to ask and receive what we will. Now, many times I think this has been manipulated into the belief system that somehow you can just go to God and ask for anything in some kind of way. If you've got enough faith, God's going to give it to you. I always tell people you got to be careful because just because something is working doesn't mean it's God. Just because it appears to be working doesn't mean it's God. That's the way, uh, that's part of the deception. The Bible says that when, when Jesus went into the uh, wilderness, the devil offered him all kind of stuff and said, if you take it and just worship me, I'll give it to you. He said, the whole world has been turned over to me and I give it to whomever I will. This is why the Bible says, God says he hates the world, everything in it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, none of it's of God. He says it's all of the devil. And people don't realize this. And, and you would think you would understand it when you realize that everybody dies. And then it's over. Nobody cares. Or maybe your kids do how much you left behind. But they don't like take all your stuff and parade it through the streets and say, oh, look at all the stuff my parents had. Unfortunately, you see it in my neighborhood all the time, they got estate sales going on all over the place. Children can't seem to wait to sell all your stuff off and, 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 and get whatever they're getting, and then they sell your house, and it's all over with. Um, my poor neighbor crossed the street. Um, his children went in his garage and threw all his stuff to the road. I said, now look, at least what they could do, like what I tried to do. What I mean, on me, I'm right. But I mean, in my mind, there were some things that even if I didn't find any value in them or when we were all done, we decided that, you know, it was something in the garage or whatever. We packed it up. I even, when I took stuff to the dump, whatever it was, even if it was something, I packed it in a box and I threw it into the dumpster without a respect. You know, these are my parents' Things, even though it may be things we don't want or don't think we need or no one wants them, even Salvation Army don't want them. Maybe they're old shoes or whatever it is. But the point is, there was a, I think there's a way to be respectful of things. Well, these people just took their daddy's stuff, just threw it out to the road, um, you know, and, and for the garbage people to come bring that big hook. Now, that ought to tell you about life. They're all your stuff that you value enough not to have thrown into the road, but now hear this big hook coming and just grab all your stuff and boom, drop it in the dumpster. Well, that is why God says, of course, he just hates the world because the world really is about many times people gathering all these things that when it's over, they die. And if their soul is not right, there is a very, very, very traumatic situation that's about to happen and that never changes. And that's scary to me. You know, I, I was talking to my son yesterday. He was over there. We were doing a little stuff. He was sitting at the table eating. And, and, and I kept saying, man, I said, imagine. I said, you know, what? we're talking about some stuff. I said, man, I, could, I think I got all this little stuff I got. And then all of a sudden I die. And next thing you know, it ain't going to be like you get no delay between it. They don't say there's a delay. I said, all of a sudden we'll be, ah. He was like, dad, don't, don't, don't even. No, no, we need to emphasize this. Ah, ah. It never stops. That's it. Eternal punishment forever and ever and ever, only to be called back from the dead to be cast into the second death, which is what the Bible says. And I'm like, oh, no, sir. I, nothing is that important to me here. I want to make absolutely sure that when I close my eyes, I see Jesus, and I am making my way to the place I'm supposed to. So when y'all are saying he in a better place, he really is. I... I 
the, the, the scriptures I want to talk to you today about these claims that Jesus makes are really tied right back to what we did last week in Psalm 91. You know, the Bible has a continuity to it. I mean, it's not just a bunch of stories all over the place. It's a continuity of a God who sees the devil manipulate his creation, but had a plan from the beginning, as he knew man's flesh wouldn't be able to withstand the devil. But when it was all over, God had a plan where we would all eventually, if we choose to, could be saved. And when it's all over, we'll be, even as the Bible says, as the angels of God, no longer dying and having eternal kingdoms. I thought about the apostles the other day where Paul would talk about how rough it was and how bad it was for them and how they were the off-scouring of the earth. Even to this day, Paul said, y'all have homes and we don't. And they were just getting it rough. But Jesus told his apostles, he said, you all, I am appointing a kingdom to you. He says that when you all, when I'm sitting on my throne, you all will be sitting on thrones with me, judging the children of Israel as princes over the whole new creation. Can you imagine that? If that claim was really true, again, another outrageous claim. This is why many times the Jews would look at Jesus and said, he has a devil. They said he's insane. Something is wrong with him. Listen to what he's saying. But Jesus basically told these men, you will be sitting on thrones ruling the entire new world. This is why they suffered like they did. This is why they had no place. This is why there was nothing that they achieved, as so to speak, on an earthly basis, because God was using them to push the gospel. And the gospel is hated by the devil, hated by the world, because it strips the world down to what it really is. It's a bunch of lies and delusion that leave you hopeless and helpless. And then when you're in your nannies or your hundreds or wherever you go, eventually you have to go in that box. No matter how long you live, you're going in there and you take nothing with you. Absolutely nothing. So you don't want to spend a lot of time trying to force those things as much as trying to find out what is the will of God. We see Jesus. The Bible says in one place that Jesus did not think it was robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I want you to think about this in terms of how we live as humans. Jesus, the Bible says, being in the form of God, he was the son of God. He was with God from the beginning. This is what he keeps telling us. I was with the father. Father, give me back what I had before I was, came here. Then he was found in fashion as a man. And the Bible says he chose to take upon himself man. The, the, the nature of man, not the nature of angels. He said in all points he wanted to be like his brothers. So he came and suffered and went through everything we did. Think about this. In the hour that he's in right now, and he's talking right now, almost everyone he's been reaching out to in Israel has forsaken him. His disciples are in the process of falling away. His inner circle is crumbling. His top apostle will deny him three times in a little while, and everyone else will run off and leave him. He's about to be murdered by the very people God sent him to. See, a lot of times people keep looking at the cross. See that? That's first-degree premeditated murder. Those people knew that Jesus had not done anything wrong. They understood he had not done anything wrong, and they made a decision. We are going to kill him because we do not like what he's stirring up amongst the people. 
He was stirring up their little religious problem. You know, they, they rule the people with their religions and with the way they did it. The high priest and you bring your offerings and we take your money from you and we do what we do. And they were, Jesus was just messing up the whole system. He keeps talking about God and saying how we are, we're going to go to hell and all the stuff that we're doing wrong. And, and, and he's messing up everything. We got to get rid of him. That's premeditated murder. Under any definition, when you decide you're going to kill somebody, you can have a fake trial if you want to. The point is, that's murder. Yet still in the middle of knowing he's about to be murdered, Jesus is talking to his disciples, trying to get them to understand something. Now, Jesus lays out something for us to see as the way this works. And I keep telling people we got to get away from just reading the Bible, but read it with understanding, read it with truth, read it when we believe this. So Jesus said, I am. This is why I'm saying when people say Jesus never said we can defend our faith. That's part of what we're going to be dealing with these boys about. We got to be able to defend our faith. When somebody says Jesus never said he was God, I don't care what he said based on what you're saying. Listen to the words he spoke and ask me, then who is he then? Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, basically. He says, every branch in me that doesn't bear any fruit, God's taking it away. Okay, well, you call him what you want, but whatever he is, it appears that if you don't bear fruit in him, God is going to take you away. Jesus received worship. Bible tells us that. He was worshiped by men. They walked up to him and worshiped him. In one place, Jesus said, you call me Lord and Master, and it is so because I am. <laughs> Hello? People say, well, that doesn't mean he's God. You can't worship anybody but God. The Jews made it clear that the reason they wanted to kill him was because he kept making himself equal to God. He kept saying, you believe in God, believe in me. Who says that? Somebody, obviously, who thinks they're God, or at least they're equal with God. Well, look at what he says. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So he tells his disciples, he says, I need you all to understand something. I am the only vine running through the earth that men can attach themselves to through which they can grow from which they can receive nourishment. You can attach yourself to all this stuff out here going on in the world. None of it will nourish you. It can seem to for a season, but the reality is it will not bring the peace you need. It will not bring the joy you need. It will not bring you the satisfaction in life that you're looking for. You have to attach yourself to the vine, the real source of joy and peace for men, and that is Christ. So he says, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. So God is the one who gardens around it and gets the rake out and puts down the fertilizer and takes care of this vine. But he says that every branch that's in him that doesn't bear any fruit, God clips it off. All right. Now, you know, I do this all the time with these different trees I have around my house. They have these little things on them. They call them suckers. The reason they call them suckers is because all they do is suck the life out the tree. They don't add no value to it. They just stick out the tree, and they, sometimes they get little sprouts on them, but they're not productive limbs. So what you do is you cut them off, and you gather them up like I did the other day, throw them in a bag and throw them in a the garbage can. 
Jesus compares people to that. He says anybody who does not attach themselves to the vine or attaches themselves and brings forth no fruit, God will purge them. This is what he says. Then he says this, if there is a branch that's bearing fruit, he's going to purge it so it can bring forth more fruit. So in other words, if there's a branch that is doing, you can have a branch growing off of a tree. When you're purging a tree and pruning it, they'll tell you how to do it. If you want it to keep growing, they'll tell you to cut off certain things. That's these little parts that don't produce. Then you keep letting it go toward the sun. I'm sure that if the tree could talk, it would be like us. Ow, that hurt. Sometimes God's got to get certain attitudes out of our life. God's got to get certain things out of our life because we just ain't right. Now, I know we don't want to acknowledge it, but we are not perfect. None of us are. And because of that, God's like, I'm working on you. But if you are what? Bearing fruit. He just keeps kind of clipping. He's not cutting you off and throwing you away. He's clipping. And although it may hurt, clip, 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 I'm getting better. That's what happens. I'm getting better. I'm not how I used to be. I'm not as bad as I could have been. I mean, I'm getting better than I ever used to be, and I'll be better later as I keep going. If God keeps clipping and the thing will just keep growing as you bear fruit, God says. Well, what is the bearing of fruit? Well, you know, the idea that you grow in grace, you grow in the fruit of the spirit, you grow in your patience, you grow in your love toward other people, you grow into how you do things. You manage things in a way that are different. You can even see it and see it in yourself. You recognize this and this becomes the fruit that you bear unto God. He says then, his purpose in purging you, though, is not to hurt you, but to get you to bring forth more fruit. God just wants you to be more fruitful. That's all he cares about. Now Jesus told them, you're clean. He told them, this is disciples. You all are clean through the word I've been speaking to y'all. Y'all been following me around, and right now there's no uncleanness in you in terms of what you do not know or understand about God. I've told you everything you need to know to prosper in this world. This is what's so interesting about all the people who say the Bible's not relevant and all this crazy stuff they say because they don't understand it. People are reading the Bible like reading French. It might as well be French or Spanish or German to them because they don't read it spiritually. They, 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 the Bible says it's spiritually discerned. So if you're just reading it, it makes no sense to you, and you don't realize that this is the answer to everything going on in life, the entire answer to everything that's going on in our lives is right here in what we have to do. The next verse, Jesus makes this outrageous claim again, like we said, comparing himself like God said in Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Look at what Jesus says. He didn't say go abide in God, unless he is. He said abide in me. If you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Incredible. Okay, now come on now. That's why I keep telling people, you, can, you don't need an atheist to make you quit. This Bible ought to make you quit. If you read these kind of outrageous claims and just let them slide, like I told you last week when we mentioned the song, Babyface, song he was singing. You know, uh, somebody texted to me after church. Um, well, he's singing all this stuff, you know. 
And I hear what you're singing, but the question is, is it real? And this is what Jesus, I'm like, Jesus, I get it. You know, you're singing all this stuff, you know, I, I'll make your, I'll pay your rent. And he going to even cook up food when he get home from work. Really? Yeah, he going to go to work, pay her rent, and when he get home, he going to cook her dinner. Right. Okay. Sounds great, I mean, I guess, but the problem with that is, look at them little hearts going up. I wonder who back there on that machine. So, but Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll be able to ask what you will and I'm going to do it. Well, okay, Jesus, now, hold up. We're going to need to decide. Are you real? Well, Jesus is about to die, y'all. This is not, Jesus don't have time to be playing. He could have just said, it's obvious that what I've been thinking I am is not a good thing because I'm about to die, it appears. I'm losing my inner circle. Judas just left to go betray me. All this stuff is going on. This can't, I can't be, something that got to be wrong. And no, instead he says, if you abide in me, people are looking at him. He's about to go be crucified. Why would I want to follow you right now? Everybody hates you. They want to kill you. They're about to murder you, Jesus. Oh, my God. And you want to tell me to abide in you. But he says, if you abide in me and the words that I've been speaking abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, of course, we're not going to be in the make it, uh, name it, and claim it church. Now, I ain't want to talk about none of them people or their churches. But all I'm going to tell you is this. We're not going to be, we, we, look, if you're looking at Jesus as he's dying and he's saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done unto you. Part of Jesus' words were what? He says, if a man wants to be my disciple, he's going to have to give up his own life, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, what does that, that don't sound like, now don't get me wrong. I'm never against people having things. I have some things. I'm not against that. What I'm against is making things the object of the gospel. Yeah, making things some kind of way, you know, we're coming to Jesus so Jesus can provide us all this stuff that you ain't been able to get on your own out there. So now we're going to make God the lotto God. We're going to come to him and give him money or whatever we're going to do or pray special prayers or rubs or or hang on some oil. Pastor, put it on my head and let's get blessed or I'm going to give you some red oil and that's going to make the red, the green oil going to give you that money. You know, I got some kind of gimmick going on. Instead of saying to you, you need to abide in Jesus. You need to figure out what's going on with your life and get up in there with God and say, God, you are more important than any of these other things. You know, back in the old days, that's where these songs came from. I surrender all. I surrender all to thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. Today, it's the other way around. Jesus came so y'all could have it all. Yeah, he surrendered it all so you could have it all. That is the most outrageous thought process you could come up with. I do believe that the Bible is clear that God will run you down with his blessings. He ain't got no problem chasing you down. But you need to be focusing on what really matters. The fact that all these things that could chase you down are going to leave you. Now, once you close your eyes, them things are going to be left behind. Ain't nobody going to stick them in the casket and send them with you. It reminds me of a story of a man who died. He had like $10 million, and his children felt so bad that their dad didn't spend his money. And, you know, the, one of the sons was, you know, the executor of the estate, and he was just like, I'm so depressed. 
Uh, that's what he told his brothers and sisters. Daddy didn't spend his money. And I just don't think it's right. It ain't right. And they said, well, what are you going to do about it? I said, I already did it. I said, what? I wrote him a check for $10 million, and I put it in his casket. Okay. So dad got to take his $10 million check with him. But trust me, that one ain't never going to show up at the bank. Yeah, so, you know, you can subtract it from your register all you want, but that money going to stay right there in that bank, even though what? Dad, he go draw it out and put cash in there for it. Dad, he felt bad for him. Oh, yeah, he felt bad. But when it was over, yeah, mm-hmm, he didn't feel so bad. He wrote him a check. So sad, so sad. Uh, I mean, I probably would do the same thing. What's he going to do with it? I can hear my dad now. Like, Why would you do that? I worked all that life to give you something, and then you put it in the casket? Don't you? You should have took it. I get it, but my point is that what Jesus is saying, what we should be asking for is going to be driven by his words. In other words, if you get in here enough with Jesus, you're going to find yourself saying, Jesus, please, you know, purge me so that I can bring forth fruit. See, the prayers start lining up with the word that Jesus spoke, And what begins to happen is your life starts to change. Let me give you the ultimate reason why, before I go any further, I want to throw this out at you. Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. All right, now, look at this. The ultimate desire of Jesus is that your joy be full. Now, joy... Let me tell you what it is. Joy is equated with this word is cheerfulness, a calm delight, a gladness, a deep-seated pleasure. It is a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. No matter what's going on, you got this joy. It's different from happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Don't y'all understand that? So when a person looks at you and says, I'm not happy, it's usually because what they want ain't happening. See, if if what I want would be happening, I'd be happy. And this is why you can't build your marriage on, they make me happy. Well, if they make you happy, that's nice. But what when they do something that don't make you happy? See, you have to have your life built on joy. Joy is this Deep-seated pleasure, it's a depth of assurance and confidence that just ignites your heart. It's just cheerful. It don't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter. The other day I was in the canal behind my house cleaning out the weeds. Man, I was in there getting it, boy, and I was just dancing. And I said to people, I'm like, what is he doing down there? I was like, you know, I have joy. It's just like when we do the, you know, the little fellowship thing and I be coming down there, yeah, let me get with y'all. I, I, this is legitimate joy. I really like you people. I mean, I do. I ain't got no problem with you. You know, usually if I do, I try to tell you, look, I got a problem. This is a deal. But I, I ain't doing that. I, I have legitimate joy. I am excited about just living. Now, people say, well, yeah, that's because you're doing all right. You know, you got, well, I ain't always wasn't doing all right now. Trust me. The point is that, okay, fine. But happenings can't be what's doing it. And I'll give y'all some insight. I don't like to share too much information, you know, because, you know, I mean, I got my own personal life, too. But, you know, I came home the other day, 
And you know, it was, it was early. I had left and it was early in the morning. I came back, and when I opened the door, <laughs> it was so funny. My wife says, It's you. I looked around, well, well, who did you expect? And she was like, It's just so good to see you. And, and I was like, Okay. And she just looked cheerful. And I was like, okay, well, it's good to see you too, right? And then that was on. I mean, she didn't say like, nah, I need to ask you something. None of that just, we just went on about what we was doing. I'm like, okay, look, joy is not about what's going on in a moment. It's just the fact that you have this, you're just excited about what God has done. It, you got it. You finally understand. Do you understand how great it is when you realize no matter what's going on with you, just, it don't matter how rich other people are, they go in the same place you going, in that box. And when they get in that box, if they stuff ain't right, see, it don't matter what you got. Even if you could tell a man on the street this, look, man, I'm telling you, I know it's hard. That's why I try to share what I can with you. I try to do what I can. But you got to understand something. It ain't going to be this way forever. Now, I can't, don't worry about how you got here right now. I can't get into all of that. But I will tell you something. If, if y'all would just be honest, sometimes people get mad when I talk about this at times. I, I want you to think about it. Think about your high school class. And think about people that were in your high school class with you. What did you think was going to happen when they graduated? Was they telling comedy all the time in class? Did they make jokes about being in class? Did they drop out? Did they do, what did they do? What were they doing that made you think they was just gonna walk off into society and it was just gonna take off for them? They didn't do their homework. Didn't care to do it. They was in recess before we came out. They were ready to go home before they were skipping and doing whatever. Now, folks, I'm not saying everybody out there, that's what's going on, but there are a lot of people who have not prepared themselves for the world, and then all of a sudden the world takes them over. And you can't, nothing you can do about it except try to what? Pray for them and hope that what? Maybe they'll find God at least, and when they find God, if they find Jesus, they'll really come to understand that certain things you can't just change. But maybe I can pull myself up. Maybe I can this. I, I, I ran into a guy the other day at the stop sign, I mean, with a red light at Corsi and Sherwood. And he came out. He was, he was doing something for this ministry. And he had tattoos all on his face, them little teardrops, you know, that's them ones that, you know, mean something. And they was everywhere. And he said, brother, you know, this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I just try to talk with him and other stuff. And he gave me the card and everything. And I said, man, God bless you, Jesus. You know, keep doing what you're doing, you know. But he can't get all them teardrops off his face and all that stuff. It's on there now. He can try. They try to remove this stuff, but it's there. But the reality is he's changed. But that's still a permanent scar he's got to bear. You know, and we got to understand that that's part of what we're facing sometime with life. It's not that somehow God just threw all these people on the street and said, oh, go and be broke. Now, there's some people suffering from mental illness and there are other things that are going on, but there are lots of reasons why we are where we are. But people need hope. And then once they get hope, they have joy. They can make it through anything. When you get joy, you can make it through anything. 
And you people may say, Pastor, you don't know what you're Well, let me just say, you don't know what I've been through. And I ain't got to tell you everything I've been through. I'm telling you, though, you can go through a whole lot of stuff and still end up with joy. When it's all over, you can have the joy. But that's Jesus' prime reason now. He's trying to get people to understand. These things I've spoken to you that your joy, my joy, can remain in you and your joy might be full. Go back and look at what he says. He says in verse 4, if you abide in me and I abide in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He makes it clear again. You are the branches, not the other way around. See, see there's a lot of philosophies and things that will, be, will happen with people sometimes. And you got to be careful of these. Ain't nothing but the devil. Sometimes people say, well, you know, it ain't the devil. Okay, well, it's a man. It don't matter. If it's a man or the devil, it ain't God. We don't want it. We must reject it. It's got to be like you, you eating something and you just got to spit it out once you know it's just poison. Don't take it. In other words, people will say, well, the Bible teaches. The Bible don't teach nothing. Men teach. The Bible states things. We teach. And sometimes we teach stuff that ain't right. And we're saying things that the word ain't saying. This ain't saying, like I read somewhere in a commentary, well, this shows you how God needs man. No, it don't. That is not what that show you. Well, yes, because you, since you're the branches and you have to bear fruit, God can't bear fruit without you. God don't need you. Jesus said in one place when they told him, tell your disciples to stop. They were saying, Hosanna, you know, Hosanna and all that. He says, tell them to stop. Jesus said, they stop, the rock's going to cry out. I mean, God going to get his praise if he don't get it but from the rocks. God was like, you ain't got to open your mouth, never. He said, these rocks will cry out. So, so the thing is that what God don't need us to bear fruit. God don't need us to get nobody saved. He chooses to let us work with him so we can get rewards. Think about it. An angel showed up to Peter, um, actually to um, Cornelius, and then Peter had a vision. The angel told Cornelius to send for Peter. Peter then comes and tells him the gospel. Now, the angel could have told him the gospel. That's just not the way God has chosen to do it. The angels, that's not their job. But God couldn't let the angel do it. Well, God don't need us. See, you got to get this in your head. You have to have resolved for yourself and say to yourself, God does not need me. God doesn't need me. God, I'm going to say this for myself. See, that? God don't need me. God don't need me to preach. God don't need me to do nothing. God don't need me at all. God doesn't need me. I need God. I have to have God. I, I, just to be able to go to sleep, I need God. You know, the devil can keep you up all night. He'll keep you up till you go psycho. 36 hours, no sleep. Man, you'll go psycho. The devil can just be messing with your head and messing with you about this. You get stricken with disease that can't get healed and all kind of things that can go on and on and on. God don't need me. I need God. And Jesus says, you need to understand this. Without me, you can do nothing. See, that's got to become your mantra. God, I can't do nothing without you. See, but a lot of people, that's not how they do it. And they, they do stuff, and they ask God to help them. Now, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But God got to tell me what to do. Then I do it, and God strengthens me to get it done. 
But it's not because God needs me. I got to know this. I got to know this so deep down on the inside of me that that's when it gets real that I know it. Jesus, you don't need me. Without me, without you, I can't do nothing. Nothing, not a thing. And you got to say that. You can't have your marriage can't work. Your job won't work. Nothing will work. You're not a good parent. You are nothing. No matter what you try, it's not going to work because you're up against a devil that you can't beat. That man, that devil, when that devil get going, you go out there and look at all the stuff people doing. They arrested some little boy the other day. I say, little boy, he's about 39. I say, little boy. He's 39 on, on Instagram, Snapchat, pretending to be a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old. Sending little girls naked pictures and all kind of stuff and talking about he, he a 19. He's 17. He, a, he 16. What is wrong with you, the devil? The devil get up in your head and have you doing all kind of crazy stuff. People are like, well, I would never do that. Look, let me tell you something. If the devil get on you, you'll do all kind of stuff. You need to know that you need to abide with God and that without Jesus, you can't do anything. Now, that word abide, it means exactly the same thing that we saw last week. Jesus telling you to abide in him like God told you to abide under his shadow. The word means to stay in, in a given place, a state or relation of expectancy, to abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, tarry. Jesus saying, you got to stay here with me. Now, now last week I tried to make it clear to you, and I said throughout this week, y'all think about it. Every time you ain't thinking about God, say, whoop, whoop, there you go, mark it down. That you spent, because to abide means, like I said, to live with, to be there, to stand and tarry, endure, always be present. So Jesus is saying, I need you to abide in me and let my words abide in you. And I told you all, when I go to bed, that's what I do. I put my, my Bible on and I start in the New Testament. I usually start somewhere around Matthew or Mark or Luke or whatever. And when I wake up, I'm probably in Romans or something. You know, and I, if I go to sleep, because sometimes the word just keep going in there and I wake up, whatever. But the point is, I am staying in the word of God. Then when I get up yesterday, all day as I was working, whatever I was doing, had my little listening to the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. I don't need motivation. I don't need to listen to no motivational speaker. I need the word. Jesus said, if you abide in the word, you'll ask what you will, and I'll give it to you. That's what he said. Why would I go chasing Tony Robbins or Oprah or whoever else to give it? Because they got success. The wrong kind. But that's what you say. I, well, no, I ain't say it. God said it. God the one said, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And if your idea of success is the money they got, then you are confused. You got to understand when they die, they going to get a check written for them too. Put the whole check in there. And all the videos of everything they ever had to say. But nothing they say can they purchase their way out of this place we must go. So they don't have nothing. They, they ain't got nothing for me. You have no answer for me. When I die, that's what I care about. What happens then? Because it's coming. In one place, the Bible says, Lord, help us to number our days. You know what that means, huh? It means that, you know, while we're sitting here young and looking at the old people going, oh, boy, they some old. You, hopefully, will get to be some old, too. But at some point, you're going to be some old. And when you're some old, eventually, you're going to be some dead. Then the question is, where are you? My father used to say this to me all the time. I never understood it. I would sit there, and we'd be talking about stuff. He'd say, son, 
to me in 100 years, it ain't going to matter. And I used to just laugh, but his point was that, look, all that you worrying about right now and all that you telling me, he ain't need to say 100, but 100 he was sure. Because he was about 65 or 70 then, so 100 he knew. It ain't going to matter. That's why I ain't letting it matter now. You ain't about to worry me with all that. I ain't got time to be worrying about all that. I'm trying to deal with today. God said, help us to number our days. Help us to see what's really going on. You got people out here singing songs now. My wife, you know, every now and then she gets all frustrated. But, you know, singing songs where people talk about drinking blood and, 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 and dancing with the devil and all kind of crazy stuff they talking about. I said, now, you know what? See, back in the day, I said this last week. Everybody knew, at least in our community, don't, you don't play with the devil. You can play with anything. Just don't cuss when you walk in front of the church. Don't cuss in front of old people. Don't talk crazy in front of old people. Definitely don't do nothing crazy at school because the coach and the teacher is going to get you. Today, mm -mm. no respect for nothing. Nobody got no respect for anything. No respect for authority. No respect for nothing. No respect for old people. No respect for even daylight. Boy down there carjacking somebody in the middle of the day. Four o'clock. People say, that's New Orleans. They done made it way to Baton Rouge. In the middle of the day. I mean, you know, that's the, what are y'all doing? We need God. We need to recognize that what? God is the only answer. Somebody said the other day, well, we're they're having an interfaith prayer meeting, and uh, y'all need to all get in there and pray. I'm not getting in that. What don't you understand? There's one God and one God between, mediator between God and man. Jesus. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, without me and all the other faiths, let's get together. Jesus is the only one got murdered for you, for the world, not all the other faiths. Pastor, you ain't right. I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to be with Jesus. And I do believe that's right, but not the way the world sees right. See, because this is why they say things like love is love. You know what that means? That's code word for whatever you want. Love is love. See, and what people don't understand, man, the devil, he's subtle and he's slow. He like flex seal. You know, you pull it out, it pull when you pull it out. But flex seal get all in the cracks. People try to know well, how it works. It go all in the cracks. And after about 24 hours, it ain't coming out. And it ain't nothing going to leak. That's how the devil is. He start pouring. He look like he pouring out on you a little bit, right? Yeah, you can control it. Next thing you know... <laughs> you, you, you stuck and you can't go nowhere. So here now we are today with love is love. When we used to just say, I told my class, one day we're going to be debating marriages between two people. Watch. Just watch. See, the debate was between a man and a woman. Well, everybody lost that one. So now, next thing you know, it's going to be between two people we're going to be debating this. Because it's going to be a group of people saying, I don't know why y'all care about our business. If I want to marry two men and they want to marry me, what's wrong with that? If I want to marry two women and they want to marry me, what's wrong with that? Well, come on, tell me what is wrong with that. Think about it. If marriage is based on what? You're an adult and you can make your own decision, then who am I to tell you if I can't tell you you can't marry a man? Who am I to tell you you can't marry two of them? Who am I? This, all this stuff comes out the Bible, if people get honest. That's where it came from to start. 
You want to know why you're not supposed to be marrying your cousin? Because God said that. But there's some people you let you look. You know why you can't marry your sister? Because God said that. But you let some people. You give it another, you let Jesus don't come back. You give it another 40, 50 years. Y'all hearing all the crazy stuff going on out there with people and animals and all kind of stuff? They're going to want to marry the dog next. Then people are going to say, well, you know, that's not the same because the dog can't make a decision for itself. Well, all he needs is somebody to speak on his behalf. And since you the owner, why can't you sign a consent form for the dog? I mean, you know why not? He your dog. He your property. Why you can't marry See, it's all ridiculous, but it's all in the Bible. God talked about all this kind of stuff. And what people don't realize today is that the world, if they go back and read the Old Testament, they will realize what the world is doing today is it has shifted away from worshiping statutes and idols that the demons used to possess. They would, they would, they would go to these temples and they would worship these big statutes. And the demons would get around these statutes. Well, today, they literally are in the age of enlightenment, we call it. They're just inhabiting the performers. How you get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, you know, I think Brother Rahim, I was talking about yesterday, to show up at a concert at 6 o'clock in the morning. They won't even go to work. How can you get people to pay $10,000 for a ticket for a concert? Now, 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 now like I said, I'm not going to indict people to start like that. I mean, each generation has its thing, but what I'm telling you is that the demons are becoming more pronounced. Yeah, I'm not going to make any difference. I told somebody yesterday, you know, when I was back in the day, we went to, you know, Central Plex. That's what it used to be called. What was the River Center? And that's when George Clinton and the Funkadelics came. P-Funk. And we were all in the crowd worshiping, because that's what we was doing. You got a real type of thing going down, getting down. It's a whole lot of rhythm going down. And then all of a sudden, we want the funk. Gotta have the funk. And then we want the funk. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and here come the mothership. Dun, 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 dun. They land on the stage. And George Clinton stepped out with them boots on up to his knees. The, the smoke went up. He stepped out and all of us went crazy. You'd have thought Jesus had arrived. That's the same thing. You know, you're still worshiping spirits. You know, it just wasn't quite as bad as it is today where they're singing about drinking blood and all the rest of it. You know, that's why I'm saying it's like flex seal, though. So you start pouring it in and it's okay. You know, it ain't so bad. The next thing you know, we're singing about drinking blood. And you're like, blood? And I'm telling you, all that can lead to is sooner or later, you're going to want some blood. Now, I know people think, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, okay? When Freddie Jackson used to sing them songs, you are my lady. It make you, you know, that's what songs do. Spirits travel through music. People don't, they don't, I mean, they just do. So when you sing about God's worship and God's praise and God's glory, that's why the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, who you think inhabiting them other praises? 
The adversary, he's the one when we're singing about and glorifying sin, he inhabits this stuff. God's like, you got to abide in me, he says. I want you to look a little bit further. Look at what he says in verse 6. He gives us a promise that we don't want to have to see. He says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, think about the, the imagery that Jesus has given us now. He's saying that if, I'm, if, if a man, whether he's saved or one who claims to be saved or one who's not, he says that if you don't abide in him, you're cast forth as a branch. Now, the one thing about branches, if you watch them, when you cut them off, they don't turn brown right away. You could clip a branch off a tree, and depending on how big it is, it'll sit out there for a whole week maybe, looking green. But eventually, them leaves fall off, it dries up, and it can't live. And Jesus is saying that if a person doesn't abide in him, they will get lopped off. And even though their life might seem like it's surviving, eventually it's going to die. Now, people say, how do you know? Well, th the Bible talks about how God judges us when we did communion. He says weakness, sickness, and early death. These are the signs of being cut off, if you will. Because ultimately, the Bible says in some places, God will cut off people just to try to save them. See, God is more concerned with your soul than sometime we are. And God's like, if a person really is saved, before I allow them to be lost, he said, I'll just cut them off. And they'll just they're coming on be with me. People say they're in a better place. They really are. Because God's like, look, if I let you keep going, you could end up losing your soul. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't believe in that. I believe in one saved, I always say, okay, well, I mean, believe what you want, but I don't know why that sound right. One saved, I always say. That's like saying once full of gas, always full of gas. I don't get that. You put gas in your car and you take off. You know, people say, well, but if the God saved you, then you're saved. Right, but the Bible says that we are waiting for the redemption of our body and the adoption that's going to happen. The adoption, when you tell a kid you're going to adopt them, it ain't official till the papers is signed and the judgment happens. There's absolutely no way that anybody can convince me, the only way they would convince me of always saved is the fact that God then will kill you. Yeah, in other words, because you can't tell me, oh, I get saved. Then I'm married, and I can just go do whatever I want to do. Sister Lord, tell me don't do it. I, oh, I'm in the club every night. Just getting it. Hey, girl. Says, Lord, call me. Where you at? Oh, I'm over at Sue B house. Who is Sue B? Oh, I met her down at the club. Oh, I'll be home soon. Then don't come home. Come home in, come in next morning. Where you been, Sue B house? Oh, who is she? Oh, just woman admitted at the club. Oh, well, what'd y'all do? Nah, girl, you don't want to know about that. And then I come here, and we're just going to have church. Once saved, always saved. Y'all told me, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going, yeah, next week. Because, you know, Sue be a nice girl and everything, but I ain't trying to be all like that. I got a wife. Just saying. So next week is, I can't even think of no names. <laughs> Whoever it is. Somebody different, though. Yeah, now, you see how silly that seems? Surely y'all would know. If, God, if I am saved, y'all know. Oh, oh, something about to go down. Something got to go down. Oh, he ain't, you can't be saved. 
or God is cheating all the rest of us because we don't get to just sin and live like we think we might want to live. That don't mean you want to do what I'm talking about, but just sin in general, just don't care. Who cares? That's not what God teaches, and we know that. He says, abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Then you ask what you will, and then God says, I'll do it. That's an outrageous claim. Jesus is saying, that is outrageous. Look at what he says in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. I want you to see something. Now, last week we talked about the secret place, and I told you that there, I said there are four things that you had to do. You had to dwell, you had to say, because the Bible says, dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. You'll set your love upon him, and then the Bible says, you call upon me, and I'll answer you. Now, and I said, in all these things, God is the one doing everything. You know, we are basically what? Dwelling, we say, we set our love on God, but these are all things that we just choose to do, Okay. That'd be like my wife saying, okay, I'm going to live or dwell with you. I'm going to say you're my husband, and I'm going to set my love upon you. And then I'll call on you. And when she calls, I'm going to answer. Why? Because of these things that she's done versus what? Well, I ain't so sure I'm going to be in the house with you. I ain't so sure what I'm going to say about you. And I ain't so sure I love you. But I'm going to call on you. And what am I supposed to do? Respond? I don't think so. It's not going to happen like that. Well, at least not with me. Jesus says this. I want you to look at verse 4. Abide in me that you dwell. Look at verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. That's what you say. Without me, I can do nothing. Verse 9. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Set your love on him. Verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done. Call on me. See, see, Jesus is like, look, I don't need you to do anything except abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Say that you can do nothing without me because you can't and recognize it. And then you'll ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Why? Because you're going to set your love on me, and you know what I care about. I care about redemption of this world. That's what I care about more than anything. I care about the redemption of this world. I want you to think about something. I had this situation. I thought about it the other day. A lot of times, you know, when things don't go the way we want, we're always trying to figure out what's happening and all that. And, but the reality is it really doesn't matter. God is kind of dealing with things. You can see them uh, in your life. I remember when uh, I had applied for this job in Florida, and this was probably about it was 2019, and I remember going, and I remember the people saying when it was all over, I had finished all the interviews, you, you basically, are you ready to move? Yep, I'm ready to go. Had a plan for the church. My dad was kind of, you know, wasn't doing so well, but I kind of had a plan. You know, he, 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 he always was doing pretty good. He just needed, you know, my brother was going to come stay and all that. All oh, got all his plan. And so my start date would have been July the 1st, 2019. Well... All of a sudden, I get a call from them saying, well, there's been some change of things and all. And so I was disappointed in a way because I kept thinking, man, that's not good the way this is going down. But you know what? God already knows what he's doing. Thirteen days later, my dad died. 
Now, I thought to myself, you know, had I been there and had moved, you know, I had all this stuff to come back and deal with and all the things I would have had to do on top of the fact that he died. And I had been with him the whole time, you know, and so all of a sudden I called my brother, come stay with dad, whatever, and I go leave and then he died. Now, I had already seen what I mean. What did you do to dad? What happened? Oh, my God. I mean, oh, God. Now you're all in your head. Plus, you're starting a brand new job. You're running a whole school. How are you going to do that? You're in Florida. You were talking about Orlando, Florida. You ain't like you in Pensacola. It ain't like you, you five hours away. You like 10 hours drive. Or you got to get on a flight. And then COVID hit. Whether you believed it or not, they shut everything down. Now, you got a school to run that's not got COVID going on, suppose it shut down. You, gotta, you can't get back on a plane. That was part of my plan. My plan was I was going to be, church going to keep going. Oh, I had a plan. Now, I had sat down, talked to you. This is how we're going to do it. I will be here every weekend. I commit to it. And Sister Lori, we had said, we're going to do this. We're going to be here every weekend. We're coming back. That way we'll get to see my dad. We'll get to, we're going to be in church. We are not missing church. Now, during the week, Brother Chris, you can, we'll get them, Brother Chris to help us with this, but on Sunday, Pastor will be here. You couldn't even drive. Florida didn't even want to let you out. Once you left, they didn't want you to come back. If you went to Louisiana especially, we was one of them states, they were like, oh, no, you've been over there, don't even come back. So here I would have been now, my daddy done died. I get halfway through that, now I can't get back to my job, or I get to my job and can't get back to the church, all this would have went on. Now, you can sit back and say, if you give yourself all that kind of credit, well, if I got a job, none of that would have happened. Okay, so if you ain't got the job, your dad would have stayed alive and COVID wouldn't have happened. No. When, When you look at your life, you always want to take your life, take the moment that you see that you were disappointed with or whatever happened, and play out life as life went. Those things you don't change. I can't change your diet. I can't change. And I now found myself today saying, thank you, Jesus. Because if I had gotten what I wanted, I would have had the worst couple years y'all could have imagined. I don't even know if this church, well, it would have stayed over. Chris, and we do what we got to do. But I wouldn't have even been around. Then I'd have been all stressed out because I'm trying to manage that, manage back, manage my dad died. All this stuff I'm dealing with when God was just like, shut it down. He just shut it down. He just shut it down. But when he shut it down, I, my mind was like, I just don't understand. But didn't you ask me for my will? Yes, I did. Okay, well then, now you got what you asked for. You ain't asked to understand it. You just asked for my will. So I, I've done something. Now just follow me. And 13 days later, boom, dad's gone. And then, boom, all this other stuff's happening. And now I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty smart, huh? Dummy. No, you're not. You know you wasn't smart. You, God did that. God stepped in and took care of all of that by derailing a plan you had. You had all your stuff lined up, all your little ducks the way they were going to go. And then guess what? Boom. But if you set your love on God, he then will do what he said. Now, I want you to look at something in Matthew chapter 13. Most horrible thoughts. And then we're going to close. Matthew chapter 13. And I want to look at verse 24 through 30. This is what Jesus says as he's talking. Now, he's already talked about the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, he talks about what 
really goes on. So anytime you're dealing with people and you wonder, you say to yourself, I wonder what's going on with that. The answer is here. You know, we used to wonder. People always say the Bible ain't relevant. Jesus told you how it works. Jesus said in the parable of the sower, he said, he said this, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I just want to throw this out before I do this. Jesus said, the sower is the preacher. The sower, sower is the word. He's the preacher. He says he sows the word, and it goes out there, and it lands first on hard ground. The devil just takes the word right away. That's when you see guys marching up and down the street. They, gotta, they can look as respectable as they want. If they got a big sign say, Jesus is coming, there's some people who would just have total disrespect for that. They hate it. They die, die, die. Why y'all up in people's face? Because it's like trying to tell you the building's on fire. And people know, no matter how well they dress themselves, people can't stand that. Some guy just standing there with a big sign and say, repent. Why they got to do that in public? Well, where would you rather they do it? You know, yeah, what he supposed to He can't do it at his house. I mean, you know, I mean, if he wants you to repent, God say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, people say, well, you don't want to be offending people. They won't come to church. Jesus was preaching repentance. He said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The devil is the one in charge. I need to change and turn around. So he says, there are people like that. He says, then they're the ones that it goes on stony ground. He says, it goes in, but they don't have no real earth. It's kind of like these weeds I had in my ditch. When, 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 the, when, when, when the winter, I mean, it's not there and it's like springtime, they look so full. All this grass everywhere. But the other day, because I let enough winter go, I could go back and just grab it, pull it straight up out of the dirt. Jesus said there's some people like that. That's why you wonder, well, what happened to them? They was all excited about God, and they was excited about Jesus, and all of a sudden, poof, they gone. Because Jesus says, when that seed goes in there, it don't go in very deep. And then when that stuff hits, the devil come like he gonna come. It, you could just pluck them right up. Then he said there's some, it's like throwing it in the thorny ground. He said it goes in there, but the word can't grow because the thorns choke it out. And then he tells you what the thorns are, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and other things choke the word out. So they, they got all these other things they worrying about. They running after money or just a bunch of other stuff. They never abide and focus on Jesus. He said, and then there's a group that it goes in and it's good ground. Some brings forth 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. You know, I want in my life, and I hope you would want in yours, to be a hundredfold return. In other words, when you get before God, you want to make sure that God says, I am going to give you every single reward you have coming. Now, that doesn't mean you have to quit and go preach. I'm not talking about that. But definitely, whatever you're doing in life, you should be doing it with the understanding that you ought to do it as under God. For sure, whatever it is. I mean, whatever it is. This is why it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, you could just be a parent. Do it under God. You know, treat your children like God's children and, and watch them and care for them and put the word in them. Do it faithful. That's what brings you the rewards. Not how much you do or get. Your faithfulness to the word, to what Jesus said, do that as faithful as you can. Get past 30, get past 60, get to a hundredfold return, get the biggest return you can. He says that's how it works in the world. Then he says this. Let's look at beginning at verse 24 in Matthew chapter 13. Now, that's after he said this. Then he says this. 
Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, Now y'all wonder why some places are like they are. Watch what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. And the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in your field? From whence then hath these tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, then I didn't give them these verses, but why don't you put the quick verse right quick. This is in the same chapter, Matthew 13, verse 37 through 43. 37 through 43. Now listen to what Jesus says. Now remember what I told you all. Jesus is outrageous. You could just throw this stuff out. Or you say to yourself, you know what? Mm, I better pay attention because basically what he's saying is it could be happening in here. There could be good weeds, I mean grass, and tares. He says don't reach in and grab out the bad, because you might root up some of the good while you're doing it. He says, just let it all grow together. And then we'll take care of it at the end. So he answers and said unto them, he that sows the good seed is the son of man, Jesus. Jesus sowed the good seed. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked ones. Stop right there. Y'all want to know what's going on out there? Forget inside here, but just, you know what? That's what's going on out there. Oh, this one looked like they got it going on, and this one looked like they got money. This one making it, and that one this, and we all up in here and can't hardly get rubbed two nickels together, and oh, God, and they just a-balling and having great time. Oh, champagne everywhere, and oh, they pouring it in the streets. Verse 39, the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now don't let nobody lie to you. Talking about there ain't no hell. Now, Jesus, I told you, you don't need an atheist. You could just say, I don't believe that. Well, then you will not receive anything from Jesus because he says, if my words have to abide in you. See, if you believe this, oh, you want to make sure you is not a tear because he is making it plain. When, the world, when this world comes to an end, y'all may not think it never is, but when it do, the angels are going to scoop that sweep out of nowhere, and they're going to gather all this iniquity up, all that offends in the kingdom, and they're going to bind it up, and they're going to cast it into a furnace of fire. And I'm like, I ain't trying to go in there. Pastor, you sound like a crazy man. Whatever, but I ain't trying to go in no flames. I don't want to do that. This is what he says in verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all that offend. Verse 42, cast them in the fire. Then verse 43, then shall the righteous shine 
forth as the son in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So God is saying that all the stuff you think, oh, you're working so hard and you're sowing for Jesus and all you're doing and none of it seems to be beneficial and all the people in the world have got it going on and look at them, they got everything and all. Forget that. Understand something. You will shine forth when Jesus does what he says he's going to do. At the end of the world, he's coming. Now, people say, but I just don't believe that. What, you know, what can I tell you? See, this is, this is why they call it good news. But at the same time, some people think it's fake news. And I just keep telling people, if you think it's fake news, you need to get up on out there and enjoy yourself. H handle your life. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Eat, drink. That's why Paul said, because tomorrow you're going to die. Eat, drink, tomorrow you're going to die. There's no way you're going to escape it. People say, well, I'm trying to save money for my future. What future? Why do you believe you have a future? I mean, who guarantees your future? Well, I drive safe. Really? You do understand. I mean, you know, folks, and I'm going to close with this. Every single day, I find myself praying, saying, God, even as I'm riding down the street, I say, you know, life is so crazy. I told my wife this as we were coming from uh, having dinner in Donaldsonville. And we ride, coming across Sunshine Bridge, same place where her cousin got killed by an 18-wheeler several years ago. I said, see, we riding along, me and you talking and everything, and you don't know who coming along with them bright lights that been drinking. And all they do is just, boom, they in our lane, it's over with. I said, it's nothing but the grace of God all the time that's keeping God's people. And the people that ain't even God's people that he's just keeping to give them a chance. His grace, because out of nowhere, why, why aren't we the one that downtown got carjacked? The woman just minding her own business. And then, give me your car. And, and then somebody told me, and I'm a, I think it was Sister Miranda, and I'm going to close. She said, you know, they used to call Jackie, had a Mercedes or something. She said, I think she had a Hyundai. They didn't care. They just want the car. Give me the car. I mean, what do you, it, it's Hyundai. Carjacking. Well, what makes you think we, you can't walk up to the, you're at the gas station. They open your car and jump in and drive off with your children in it. This is the world we're living in, but we serve a God who will watch over us and protect us and keep us. That's his promise to us, because if you don't believe that, man, no wonder people are living like they live, because they have no hope. They have no real future. Every head bowed, every eye closed.